are you ready, you would respond with a question of your own. The natural response to that would be, ready for what? What are you talking about? Well, it could be something really good and pleasant. Your wife has just pulled a hot apple pie out of the oven, and she's got the vanilla ice cream sitting right nearby, and she says, are you ready? (laughs) Yes. Yes, hot apple pie with ice cream. Yes, I'm ready for that. But on the other hand, the question, are you ready, could be in anticipation of something not so pleasant. Let's say you're at the doctor's office. You've been having a terrible toothache, and he's going to have to pull that tooth. And so he gets you all prepped up, and he says, are you ready? <laughs> yeah, I guess, you know. But that's, that is just the opposite end of the spectrum, something to be dreaded, something that you'd rather avoid. Either way, either way you take that, whether it's ready for something great, ready for something not so great, either way you take that, we understand the the question. It's a familiar question. Are you ready? That question is frequently generated in the Word of God. And we want to look at some passages this morning that reference the idea of readiness. And so this morning when we ask the question, are you ready? We're going to be asking about some spiritual things that need to be in mind. Preparation and readiness for certain things in regards to our service to God. That will be our lesson for just a few short moments here this morning. Thanks for being here. We have a good number of people with us this morning. Biggest crowd we've had in weeks, in fact. Uh, And so we're very glad that you're here. We still have some folks who are staying at home uh, with virus concerns, and we understand that. Uh, but we're glad that you're here and glad that we're able to be assembled to worship God. Thanks to our visitors for coming, and please come again every time that you have a, a chance to be here. All right, are you ready? First question, are you ready to give an answer? And the text that we take this from is 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. It says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you, with meekness and fear. And so we are to be ready to give an answer. The word ready there is translated in some other newer translations with the word prepared. Those are certainly synonyms. Are you ready? Are you prepared always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you? So what we're supposed to be ready to explain is our hope. What is your hope? What kind of hope do you have? Well, ultimately, my hope is to go to heaven, to be with God in eternity. I hope for that. I have a a strong hope in regards to those things. Well, what's the basis of your hope? This expression here, to give an answer, comes from the Greek word apologia. And the, and the Greek word apologia means literally to make a defense. And if you wanted to picture that in your mind, it would be like in a court of law. And, and so the attorney stands up to make his case. And, and what he does is that he states his evidence and he offers the proof that is available to either convict this guy if he's the prosecuting attorney or to or to get this man excused from the charges if he's the defense attorney. But he makes his case. He presents his case. So what this verse is telling us to do is that we need to be ready or prepared to explain our hope. 
Now, Paul, what basis do you have this? So if you say there's life beyond the grave and that you hope to spend this eternity in blissful existence with God in heaven, upon what basis do you have such hope? We're supposed to be ready to explain that. Well, what kind of proof or evidence would you offer? Well, we can talk about all kinds of things. We study evidences pretty often, don't we? We can talk about creation. We could talk about the reality of God's existence and the evidence of that in the, the creation that we see all around us. We could talk about what's revealed in the Word of God and then go into a detailed study about the proofs that the Bible is the inspired Word of God. That's evidence. That would be the kind of evidence that sustains our hope. Certainly we could talk about the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. I I believe that is the ultimate proof. And there's all kinds of evidence that Jesus really did rise from the dead. And so... What this verse is telling me is I need to be prepared to make that defense. I need to be able to explain. I need to be ready always to give such a defense when people ask me, why do you have this hope that you claim? Now, how, how do you get ready for that? Well, you've got you to study, right? Study. Study some more. Study some more after that. Someone says, you know, I, I don't feel real capable in that regard right now. I mean... I understand what you're saying, but I just don't feel like, especially if I was challenged by an atheist or an agnostic, some kind of skeptic or unbeliever, I'm not sure I could make a real strong case. Well, that's understandable. We might as well be honest with ourselves and evaluate where we stand currently. But that can change. You can change that, right? And this verse is urging us all as Christians to be ready, to be prepared to give a defense or an explanation for the hope that is in us. If you don't feel that preparedness right now, then the the simple admonition is get busy, work harder, study more. This is a duty that we all have. Be ready always. So are you ready to give an answer? That's our first question. Here's another one. Are you ready to preach the gospel From the text that Caleb read for us earlier in Romans chapter 1, beginning verse 15, Paul says, I'm a debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and the unwise. So as much as is in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are in Rome also. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Paul had never been to Rome when he wrote the Roman epistle he had never been to rome yet Uh, he wanted to go he said he was ready to go and he explains why he was ready and how he was ready right here in this text he says he says i'm i am not ashamed of the gospel of christ so one of the things that made paul ready to go to rome or any place else for that matter to preach the gospel is that he he was not ashamed of the gospel And we know that's the case. We've been studying in our Wednesday night class the book of Acts. And we've been uh, discussing the missionary journeys that Paul took. And if anything at all is evident in in that study, it is that Paul absolutely was not ashamed. He'd get run out of one town, his life threatened. He'd go to the next town and begin immediately to do the same things over again. He was hounded by Jewish unbelievers, but in every new place he went, he often looked up 
the synagogue of the Jews and, and tried to present the truth about Jesus to them. I, I don't tell you, there's nobody who could doubt when Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. There's, I don't believe there's anybody who could say, oh, come on, Paul, we know you are. Uh, no, Paul clearly was not ashamed. He knew that the gospel was the power of God to salvation. He knew that. He had experienced it personally. He had seen it evidenced in the case of literally thousands of people, no doubt, that he converted to Christ. He saw the power of the gospel working in them unto salvation. This word power, and I think you know this, this word power in the Greek comes from the same root word that we get our English word dynamite from. And you think about the power of a dynamite explosion. Paul uses that word to speak of the power of the gospel. He knew that it was powerful. He had seen it at work. And then he said also up here at the start, I'm a debtor. Paul felt a debt to teach and preach the gospel. He felt it was a personal duty that he had, a debt to be paid. And so for all of those reasons, because he wasn't ashamed and he knew the power of the gospel and he felt a debt to do this preaching, he said, I am ready. All right. Now, what about us? What about us? Are we ready to proclaim the gospel, to teach lost people about salvation? You know, all of the same things that Paul said about himself ought to be true of us. We should not be ashamed of the gospel. It's the true word of God. And we again have that evidence or proof that it is. We've seen the power of it at work in our own lives and in the lives of others. And we should feel this sense of debt or obligation that Paul spoke of here. And so we are under the same obligation that Paul was to preach the gospel, to teach the lost. And the question to us is, are we prepared for that? Are we ready to preach the gospel. Paul said that when he wrote to Timothy that we ought to be ready to distribute. Here's the text, 1 Timothy chapter 6, beginning verse 17. Charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who giveth us richly all things to enjoy, that they do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate, laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come that they may lay hold on eternal life. All right. The word distribute right here in newer translations often is referred to as to be generous, ready to be generous, willing to communicate. The word communicate means to share. So be ready to liberally share the blessings that have come to you. Are you ready? This passage, if there is any passage in the New Testament that seems to be directed specifically at us, this passage is surely one of them. Charge them that are rich in this world. That's us. That's us. It's got to be us, right? It is not hard to prove statistically that we are the most materially blessed people that have ever lived in the history of time. I mean, it's just, it's just off the chart. Uh, we, are, we are the most blessed people living in the world right now. And we are the most blessed people who have ever lived in all the history of humanity on earth. We are the rich in, the, in this world. Now, 
that being the case, then we are charged to be generous in sharing. A couple of things mitigate against that. There's a couple of dangers. One of them is that we might be high-minded, proud. Look at me. Look at what I've got. These other people, they're, they're, they're lazy. They're indifferent. They don't care. They're not trying. But me, I've made it. I've, I'm, I'm a self-made man, you know. Oh, be careful now. Don't get too high-minded about yourself. And don't trust in uncertain riches. That's a danger, right? And so since we have been blessed and, we're, and we live in a prosperous time and place, there's a danger that we put our trust in those riches. Paul says here, remember that God gave it all. God gave us richly all things to enjoy. All these are gifts from God. They're, we're just the... the temporary possessors of these things. We're not going to have this for long. This is all temporary. God gives us these things. Don't trust them. Don't be proud. Be generous and ready to share. There's so much instruction in the Word of God about being benevolent. And and really, as God's people, we need to constantly understand, be looking for those opportunities to help those who are legitimately in need. I want to emphasize a point I don't think I really have to emphasize to you, but I want to say help those who are legitimately in need. There are some people who are in need, but they're not, they're not in legitimate need because they're not doing what they can for themselves. We understand that. That's a biblical principle. But there are people that need our help in this world, and we need to be ready to help them, be ready to distribute. And remember that this word distribute and con- communicate suggest generosity in sharing. Are you ready for every good work? This follows real closely with that previous point, but in Titus 3 verse 1, Paul says to Titus, who was a preacher, he says, put them in mind to be subject to principalities and powers, to obey magistrates, to be ready to every good work. Um, What is a good work? He said, be ready to every good work. Who gets to say what is good? Well, we understand that God is the one who is privileged to be able to say what is good and what is not. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, Paul says, all scriptures given by inspiration of God is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. If it's a good work, God has defined that for us. We don't have to make that up on our own. God tells us what is a good work, and we need to be ready to do all the good works that God has described in his inspired word. Now, my emphasis here is, are you ready for every good work? You know what often happens when there's something that needs to be done, some good thing that needs to be accomplished? How often do you hear somebody needs to do something about that? Really? Somebody needs to do something? You've seen that old bulletin article. It's been around for decades, I'm sure. I'm somebody. Somebody needs to do something about that. I'm somebody. You know, I can do something about that. And so it's not enough to say something needs to be done. 
There's a good work that needs to be accomplished. I need to be ready to do those good works. You know, there are always some folks, and in the Lord's church we see it certainly, they're good in thinking up things for other people to do. But they don't often get busy doing them themselves, and that's not helpful. We don't need people looking up, inventing, designing good things for us to do. We need people who get involved, ready to every good work. You be ready. If God says it's a good work in His inspired Word, He defines it. We need to be ready to do it. Be ready to every good work. Are you ready even to die? Here's the text that we... Excuse me, let me go back. Here's the text that we get this from in Acts chapter 21, verse 13. Now, a little bit of context here. Paul is on his way to Jerusalem. This is the end of the third missionary journey. We haven't got to this yet in our studies on Wednesday night, but we will be there soon. And and we understand that at the end of Paul's third missionary journey, he's heading back to the city of Jerusalem. But along the way, different ones have been prophetically announcing that trouble is waiting for him when he gets to Jerusalem. It wasn't just some people based upon their own speculations were saying, Paul, you're in big trouble when you get back to Jerusalem. You know that, don't you? It wasn't just And I think you could speculate. I think anybody could have probably speculated that. But there were even prophetic warnings. Paul, when you get back to Jerusalem, you're going to be in trouble with the Jews. And so there were a lot of people who were warning him and were concerned for his safety. And uh, notice what Paul says. Paul answered, What mean ye to weep and to break mine heart? For I am ready not to be bound only, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. Notice, he was willing to die for the name of the Lord Jesus. Uh, everybody's going to die at some point, right? We understand that. Everybody, unless the Lord returns before we do, we are all going to die. That's not the point. This is different. Paul's speaking about his commitment to the Lord. He is so committed to the Lord that he'd be willing to die for his cause if it came to that. Interestingly, we know that it later did. We understand uh, that he was very likely executed in Rome during his second imprisonment there. He spoke about it in his last epistle, 2 Timothy 4, verse 6 through 8. We won't take time to read that, but Paul spoke about his imminent demise, and, it, and history records that he very certainly was executed for the cause of Christ. So these were not idle words on the part of Paul, but understand in the broadest sense what he's talking about here is his commitment to the Lord. I'm, I'm committed enough to the Lord. I'd be willing to die. If it comes to that, I'll die. For the name of the Lord Jesus. For us to die for the cause is not a common threat. Not where we live, not in this place, not in this time. Now that's not always been so and it's not even so in all parts of the world today. But for us, there's a very low probability that we're going to be called upon to die for the cause of Christ. But the question is, are you ready with that kind of commitment 
Do you have that degree of commitment to the Lord that you'd be willing to die if it came to that? Well, we should be ready. We're instructed to be ready. But I'll tell you, this question about commitment's a tough one. How could I say I'd be willing to die for Christ, but I'm not going to come to worship services tonight at 6? I'd be ready to die for Christ, but don't count on seeing me at Bible study Wednesday night. I'd be ready to die for Christ, but don't expect me to give generously of my money, my time, my effort. Really? You say, you say in, the, in the harshest test of all that you'd be willing to die for Christ, but you're not passing these lesser tests. If you're not passing the Lester test, how do you expect us to believe that you'd pass that ultimate test to be willing to die for Christ? You see the point? It's not hard, is it? It's not hard. Are you ready even to die? Paul said that he was. Are you ready? Finally, are you ready for his return? Here's our text, Matthew 24, beginning verse 42. Watch therefore, for you know not the hour that your Lord doth come. But know this, that if the good man of the house had known in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken up. Therefore be ye also ready, for in such an hour as ye think not, the Son of Man cometh. Matthew 24 is an interesting study. We've studied it before. We will again, no doubt, Lord willing. But we understand that the the first of the chapter is very definitely talking about the destruction of Jerusalem, which happened in 70 A.D. There's no doubt that that is what the first part of the chapter is describing. Some people think that that description runs on through the end. I personally understand the chapter to break uh, and Jesus to begin discussing his final return. And in regards to his final return, he says, be ready. For in such an hour as you think not, the Son of Man cometh. Uh, There's an interesting analogy here in these verses. If the good man, notice here, if the good man of the house had known what watch the thief would come, he would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken up. The the picture is of of a thief coming. If you knew a thief was coming at 2.30 tomorrow morning, 2.30 a.m., a thief is going to be at your house. What are you going to do? I'll tell you what I'm going to do. You can bet that every door is going to be locked. Every light is going to be on. And for those uh, who possess uh, a firearm or two, you might even be well armed uh, in anticipation of the thief coming at 2.30 a.m. You're going to be ready, right? If I know the thief's coming, I'm going to be ready. Well, Jesus said, I'm coming. I'm coming again in final judgment. Just like you'd be ready... To anticipate a thief coming, he says, you be ready. But here's the difference. You don't know what hour he's coming. Here, here it's not announced. We don't have a date or time. And so what that means is we got to be ready constantly. Be ready constantly. The Lord's coming. Judgment is certain. The Lord's coming. Are you ready? Certainly, we need to understand this reality. The world, sadly, so many people in the world act as though they do not understand or accept the reality of the fact that the Lord's coming again in final judgment. And that's a sad thing. That's a very sad thing. 
And we need to get out there and try and convince them of this truth. The Lord's coming in judgment. You've got to get ready. But it's, it's interesting to me that the, the text of Matthew 24 was addressed to Jesus' disciples. This wasn't addressed to people who, who didn't believe. This was addressed to his own disciples. To his own disciples, he said. Therefore, be ye ready, for in such an hour as you think not, the Son of Man cometh. That's us too, right? We know the Lord. We believe in the Lord. We still got to be ready because he's coming in final judgment. We need to be living our lives in view of judgment and eternity. And the question is, are you? Are you ready? A number of years ago, back when they used to put signs on fence posts when you went down the highway, you know, the old Barbasol ads, you know, you went down the highway and, and every other fence post had a phrase and you just kept reading as you went down the road to get the full message of the Barbasol ad. But back in that same time frame, there was somebody who was pretty active and aggressive in posting simple little signs that said, Are you, the letters, are you ready? It was somebody who was trying to make this point. Are you ready in service to God? That's a great question. It's an important question. It's an essential question. Are you ready? Have you obeyed the simple gospel plan of salvation? Hear, believe, repent, confess, be baptized for the remission of sins. If you have not, and you understand those truths, and you desire to obey that gospel, we want to assist you. We'd be glad to study more with you. If we can help, let us know. If you're a Christian, but you feel you are not ready, that's possible, isn't it? It's possible for us to slip back and not be faithful to the Lord. If you've not been serving Him faithfully, you're not ready. You need to come back to Him in repentance, confession, and prayer. If we can help in any way, let us know while we stand and sing this song.